Welcome to On The Way, a podcast to help you make a meaningful connection with Jesus every day in the midst of your day-to-day. On today's episode, we've got Steve Tamayo, executive pastor from Chatham Community Church, sharing some guidance that will help you on Easter Sunday, every Sunday, and every time you listen to a sermon. Hope you enjoy. I've probably listened to 2,000 sermons over the years. Can that be right? Yeah, I think it is. I've been following Jesus for over 20 years now, and I've been in church almost every Sunday. And more than that, as someone in ministry, I have been listening to sermons recreationally on the side at conferences, sermon after sermon after sermon. And something I realize as we're approaching Easter Sunday is that almost no one gives you any guidance at all ever on how to listen to a sermon. If you walk with Jesus in a church context over the next 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, 80 years, you're going to listen to a lot of sermons. And knowing how to do that well could be tremendously valuable to you and to the shaping of your soul. So I have some rapid-fire tips, some ideas during the sermon, before the sermon, after the sermon, to help you get more out of your Sunday morning experience, particularly more out of listening to someone preach. Because Alex and Jaime work really, really hard on their messages to make them relevant, to make them aligned with Scripture, to make them practical for you. And I know that you want to get more out of what you listen to on Sunday morning, whether you're at Chatham Community Church or in some other church context, or even if you're just listening to sermons online, you want to get more out of it. You want it to shape your soul in a positive way. So here are a bunch of tips. The first is the simplest, easiest, most direct thing. If you do this, it will help you take notes. Take notes. I know. It's, it's, it makes you feel like you're back in high school or, or elementary school, but, but taking notes helps remarkably. When you force yourself to slow down, to try to capture, to try to repeat back what you just heard onto a piece of paper, it, it etches what you just heard into your brain in a different way. You won't catch everything if you take notes. Good note-taking isn't transcription. It's not getting every single word down, but it's capturing the main ideas, the relevant ideas on a piece of paper, translating it from the media of hearing to the media of writing. And as you do that, you're more likely to remember, you're more likely to apply, you're more likely to be transformed. At Chatham Community Church, we give you a bulletin every week. If you want one, inside that bulletin is a place for you to take notes. We strongly encourage that behavior. You could also take notes on your phone, or if you're like me, I bring a journal with me every time I go to hear a sermon. It's a leather journal. I get it from Barnes & Noble twice a year, and I take notes on every sermon I hear. I try to capture the outline of the sermon. I try to capture the main ideas. I try to capture any application points that are really resonant for me. And there are times when I'm note-taking, when I find myself journaling off of the springboard of the sermon. And my mind may wander a little bit. I may not be paying the closest attention in that moment to the message, but I'm having an interaction with God in that moment on that sheet of paper that is immensely valuable. And that ultimately, that interaction with God 
is what every preacher wants to happen for every person listening. So that's the first idea. Now, the second idea, something that can help you during the sermon, is much more spiritual, Uh, maybe much more like what you would expect to a guideline on how to listen to a sermon. It's to ask God for help to understand, to pay attention, and to apply. Sometimes we come into Sunday morning stressed, tired, distracted. Maybe the music has moved us emotionally, or we've seen a friend who's going through a really hard time, and we find ourselves worried about them or concerned for them. Asking God to help you to pay attention during a sermon is totally okay. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary. God can affect our attention. God can draw us not only to the sermon, but ultimately through the sermon to himself, if we will ask him to, if we will allow him to. Ask him to help you pay attention and ask him to help you understand. I've preached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons over the years, and I understand completely that there are some things that get lost in translation between what I'm saying and what people are hearing, between what I'm hearing in my head and what I'm hearing in my heart and what actually comes out of my mouth. There is no such thing as a perfect preacher. We need God to intervene, to get in the way, to stand in between us and the person preaching, to translate what's happening on stage, behind the microphone, into our hearts. And so prayer is is a means in the moment of the sermon to ask God to help you understand. Very few of us have a background in the Bible. Very few of us have read the Bible cover to cover together with commentaries on it. Very few of us have dug into the text as deeply as the preacher. And so asking God to highlight for you what you need to understand, to make things clear to you, is totally appropriate and very wise. The third thing you could be praying about is to ask God to help you see what it is that you need to apply. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but not everything is immediately applicable for you. I realized that years ago we had a series on marriage, and there are high schoolers who are in our congregation, who are sitting and they're listening, and they're not married. How do you apply a sermon on marriage when you're not married? Well, the Spirit can show you how to do that. God can show you how to do that. He can highlight for you various elements in a message that are relevant for you in particular. Ask Him to show you what it is that you need to apply. It may not be what you expect. I remember sitting in a a sermon once and, and listening, and the topic wasn't about forgiveness, but I felt convicted in the middle of that message that there was someone that I needed to forgive. That application, I believe, wasn't given to me directly by the pastor. He wasn't intending to make that a main application point in his message. It was something that was given to me by God. Now, one of the things that I love when I preach, sometimes I'll have people who come up to me and they talk to me about how they're going to apply what they've heard or how they applied a message that I preached weeks ago or even months or years ago. And I may think, wow, that had nothing to do with what I was preaching on. But God used that time of sitting, listening to Scripture by the power of His Spirit to bring an application. Sometimes in prayer, we open our hearts up to an application that we might be resistant to. On Easter Sunday, I know Alex and Jaime are going to invite people to commit to be followers of Jesus. 
Some of us haven't done that before. Some of us have never taken that step, and it may be difficult for us to do that. We might feel like, I don't see myself that way. I don't want to become one of those types of people. But asking God to make us open to application sometimes will lead us into spaces that are new, that are foreign, that are scary, that are terrifying, that are good for us and can transform the world. During the sermon, a third idea. Take notes, sure. Pray, ask God to help you in the midst of it. Wonderful. The third thing is to make a commitment to yourself that you're going to have an open mind, an open heart, and open hands. An open mind means, I don't know that I'm going to agree with everything that I hear in every sermon, and that's okay. I'm going to have an open mind. I'm going to allow myself to be exposed to things that I've never heard before, that I've never thought before, that I might not agree with. I'm going to let the things that are not helpful, that might be offensive, that that might be confusing, I'm going to let them rest on the side, and I'm going to focus on what I can focus on. I'm going to have an open mind in every message. There is something in every message, no matter how terrible the preacher is. And I'm going to confess, I have preached some terrible messages over the years. I've preached some remarkable messages. I've preached some messages where I'm like, wow, God, you're totally going to use that. But I know there have been times where I've fallen short. But God can use even that. That's good news for preachers. And that's good news for those of us who listen to sermons. God is always, always, always at work. If we have an open mind, we can see his work in us. And have an open heart. Don't harbor bitterness or unforgiveness or anger in your heart. When you're sitting there trying to listen to a sermon, if what's inside your heart is rough, if what's inside your heart is full of pain, if what's inside your heart is full of anger or rage or bitterness or unforgiveness, it's going to be hard for you to have room for the Spirit to fill you, to have room for the good things of God to be stored deep down inside you. During the sermon, do the work to have an open heart. Be open-hearted. Be generous with your heart. Be willing to feel. Sometimes that's the hardest thing, to open yourself up to emotion in the midst of a sermon. And sometimes that's what God uses to change us. I was reading in Acts recently when a group of people who had just put Jesus to death part of the Good Friday Easter story. They had just put Jesus to death, are listening to a sermon that's being preached by one of Jesus's most stubborn and hard-headed followers, the guy who had betrayed Jesus three times on Good Friday, Peter. These people had crucified Jesus, and now they're listening to a sermon about him. And the scriptures tell us that they were cut to the heart, and they called out, what should I do? What should we do? Their open-heartedness led them to a place where they were willing to experience transformation. And ultimately, that's what good preaching is all about. It's about an encounter with God that produces transformation in us and in the world. Now, the third thing on this third point, these are lots of points and sub-points, open mind, open heart, but also think about open hands. Who is it that God wants you to love as a result of this sermon? What is it that God wants you to do as a result of this sermon? Where is it that God wants you to go as a result of this sermon? 
Every sermon has an element of what you need to know. There's also an element of what you need to do. When we write sermons, when we craft and create them and labor over them, we're dreaming, hoping, and praying that God would empower you and enable you to do something with what you've heard. Sometimes that something is to pray. Sometimes it's to forgive. Sometimes it's to join a serving team. Sometimes it's to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's to get baptized. Sometimes it's to go see a therapist. Sometimes it's to forgive someone. Sometimes it's to be more generous with your money, with your time, with your social capital. But have an open hand, open mind, open heart, open hands. These are so powerful. Before I transition into what you can do to prepare yourself to listen to a sermon beforehand in the days leading up to a sermon, I want to give you one more idea. And this isn't something for you to do. It's just something for you to know. Hey, it's not all for you. Do you know that? When we listen to a sermon, we're sitting in a bigger community, a community full of diverse people with diverse backgrounds, diverse perspectives, and diverse needs. One of the things I love about Chatham Community Church is how we are committed to reaching Chatham County in all of its ethnic, economic, educational diversity. People come from different political backgrounds. People have different church backgrounds. And when someone gets up and preaches, there may be some things that are not for you. You may already know some of the stuff that is said on a Sunday morning. You may have already heard it. You may have already put it into practice and applied it, and yet you are part of a community. As one of the hobbits said to the Ents, you're part of this world. And because you're part of a bigger community, not everything is going to be for you. That's okay. When you hear something and you say, with conviction, from the Spirit, this is not for me, it's totally appropriate to ask God to bless the people around you to ask God to apply it to the person who it is for. But I want to caution you with this. Although not everything is for you, there is always going to be something for you. And it may not be what you expect. It may be something that you would initially reject. Take everything that is handed your direction in a sermon and evaluate whether it's for you or not. Be open to the possibility that God may want you to re- revisit old territory, to to move up the spiral back to a familiar place, but at a higher plane. He may want you to hear a story again. In my quiet times, I've been reading Acts. I, I mentioned earlier that I was reading Peter's Pentecostal sermon. I also yesterday was reading Stephen's sermon, the sermon that got him killed. In that sermon, he repeats for his hearers the entire history of the Jewish people. Up to that point, he tells the story of Abraham. He tells the story of Moses. He tells the story of David and the prophets. He's repeating something that they already know, but he's giving it new context. He's bringing them back to their ancient history and their familiar narrative in a new way because now Jesus is risen from the dead. And everything that they knew before takes on new meaning in this new light. If they had discarded what Stephen said because it was familiar, they would have missed the preaching about Jesus. And as it was, they rejected what Stephen had to say, rejected him as a prophet, and rejected Jesus. 
It is only in his mercy that they got chance after chance after chance to repent, to turn around, to stop kicking against the goads. One of the people who heard Stephen's sermon was a man named Saul. He went on to persecute the Christians, to have them arrested, to have them killed. And Saul, although he later went out to destroy the church, got another chance from Jesus to revisit the opportunity Stephen gave him, to revisit the opportunity he had had earlier, the opportunity to repent, to change directions, to make a commitment to follow Jesus, and to live his whole life for his Savior, his Lord, the one who made him and loved him. Here I am slipping into a sermon. Let me shift gears for you. This might be helpful. There's something you can do before the sermon, in the day before, that will help you get more out of every sermon that you hear. And that's to prepare your heart and body. Take time to pray on your way to church. Take time to pray over your cup of coffee. Take time to pray when you wake up first thing before you start to interact with the kids or the dog or even to make that first cup of coffee. Ask God to give you a fresh sensitivity to Him. That's a prayer you could pray every day. It's particularly important when you're going to listen to a sermon. I'd also encourage you to sleep and eat well on the morning before you go to church, on the morning before you go to listen to a sermon. The difference between listening to someone talk for 30 minutes when you've had eight hours of sleep and listening to someone talk for 30 minutes when you've had four hours of sleep is a huge difference. Your brain's ability to pay attention is not solely dependent on the quality of the preaching. It's also dependent on the quality of your rest, on the quality of your nutrition, on the quality of how you are managing your physicality. God gave you a body. It's a huge gift, tremendous gift. Probably shouldn't say huge because that, that brings up bad memories of my struggle with weight. But it's a gift to be given a body. How we steward our body affects our soul. You can't separate your body and your soul. You can't separate your body and your emotions, your soul and your emotions. Every piece of us is woven together perfectly by God. And and when one part of us is not healthy, the rest of us isn't healthy either. This holistic theory of anthropology is important as you prepare to listen to a sermon. Eat well, sleep well, and you will hear well and apply well and live well in a healthy soul. You also, uh, if you want to, if you're around Chatham Community Church, something that we have created is a small group system and a devotional system. You can go to chathamchurch.org forward slash connect, and you can read five devotional blog posts on the passage that we're going to be preaching on on Sunday morning. You can get familiar with the passage. You can get five quick hits on applying the passage. You can do some study to prepare yourself for Sunday morning. And if you're interested in a small group, our small groups study the passage the week ahead of time. They don't show up after the sermon is done and talk about how great the sermon was. They take time before Sunday morning to dig into the text, to encounter God in Scripture for themselves, and that makes the Sunday morning experience all the richer, all the richer. Small groups that have been meeting this week have been digging into the passage around Easter, have been prepared by God to have a deeper encounter, not with the preacher, but with God himself. 
not just with the text, but with God himself. And if you're someone who doesn't have much of a church background, this can be immensely valuable for you. It's a way to get up to speed. It's a, it's a way to get the Cliff Notes version so that when you hear the sermon, you're in the loop. I remember years ago having the experience of going to a play, looking at the bulletin that they gave me, looking at the outline and who the actors were and what their names were, gave me the ability to follow along. I could understand the music and the musical better because I knew the general story. The gift of the Connect Devotional, the gift of the small group system, if you're in Chatham Community Church, can really help you. If you go to a different church, one thing you could do is ask. Just ask, hey, what are we preaching on next week? What passages are we going to be looking at next week? And then you can read those and reflect on those on your own. This is tremendously helpful. During, before, and after. What do you do after a sermon to maximize what you get out of the sermon? Well, I would encourage you to apply anything that you feel like God is asking you to apply. If you took notes, you can review your notes. That's a great Sunday afternoon activity. I remember being in graduate school and listening to these incredible sermons at St. Ebb's Anglican Church in Oxford. And I remember going to Borders. It was like Barnes & Noble, which is kind of like Starbucks, but with books. I remember going to Borders just off of the high street in Oxford and sitting down with my journal and reviewing my notes from the sermon. It was such a rich time for me to re-engage the text and to apply to make concrete decisions as to what I wanted to do with what had been entrusted to me. I'd also encourage you to share what you're learning. Share what you're doing. Have friends, have family, have someone that you talk to. Post it on Facebook. We have some people who will often create memes from the sermons and share them around on Facebook as a way to share with the broader world what it is that they're connecting with at Chatham Community Church. This is a really helpful practice to teach shapes how you learn. And if you're sharing, you're teaching. You're showing other people what it is that you're encountering and engaging. You are becoming not just someone who is entertained, not just a listener, but you're becoming a witness. The last thing I would encourage you to do, and this is just a word of wisdom, is to come back. Because no sermon ever stands on its own. A sermon is like a drip of water coming up against the hard surface of our life. If we really want to carve a canyon in our soul, a canyon so the river of God can flow through us, we have to keep coming back. Drip after drip after drip, sermon after sermon after sermon, devotional after devotional after devotional, small group after small group after small group. It's out of all of these experience that a healthy soul is made. A healthy soul isn't made in a moment. It's created over time by God as we follow and obey Him. Many of us are in and out on Sunday mornings. We're in and out on podcasts. We blink on, we blink off. What would happen for you if you made a commitment that you're going to listen to a sermon every week? What would happen if you made a commitment that you're going to listen to a sermon every day? What would God do in your life, in your soul, in the world? Thanks for listening.